0: You are live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with Andy Barrar. Got lots of cool tech stuff to talk about today. Later on, we'll be uh, talking with our friend, Ted Critsonis. He uh, will be chatting about the future of the BlackBerry 10 operating system. I-, I didn't think we'd be talking BlackBerry again.
1: Do you remember when it came out? It was like, what, 2013? It came out, BlackBerry? because BlackBerry 10. BlackBerry 10. Yeah. Um, and so I remember this vividly because that was the time I said, okay, I'm going to give BlackBerry a try. And I used a BlackBerry phone for about two months on the BlackBerry 10 operating system. And but that was it. I did not think that, you know, we're going to be talking about this in 2017, but it's still around, and we're going to see what the future is for the BlackBerry 10 operating system, especially now that they've moved to Android on some of their phones.
0: We'll also be chatting with Doug Newcomb. He uh, will be uh, talking about the race to self-driving cars, Silicon Valley versus Detroit. Who will win interesting
1: yes it's a, a big competition you know with the likes of tesla coming out of silicon valley uber now also saying that they're doing autonomous driving what's detroit up to you gotta wonder because the detroit auto show just happened and they've been around for a 100 years building cars we're gonna find out who's gonna win that race to fo- the fully autonomous self-driving vehicle
0: well uh andy down the u.s Trump is finally the president, the 45th president of the U.S. Uh, We were chatting just before the show here. Uh, The Secret Service have already taken away his phone. Yes. And given him a a new secure phone.
1: Yeah. So for those who don't know, Trump was an Android user and uh, he was using Samsung. It was a Samsung phone by America. I don't think think that's American, is it? (laughs) No, it's not. No, no. Okay. But he had to give his phone up to the Secret Service because... When you're the president of the United States and somebody wants to get a hold of you, they have to contact the White House uh, press secretary board or whatever. And then, you know, they'll get you on the line and then put you in contact with the president. You can't just call the president. So he can't have a phone and he can't be reached by his golfing buddies anymore. Or <laughs> Kanye West or whoever wants to give him a call. Poor Kanye. Uh,
0: I'm interested to see what kind of features this phone has. They don't really disclose it, but will he be able to
1: tweet with it? Um, Yeah, he'll probably be able to tweet, but there's not much features. Like, you can't just call somebody.
0: I know uh, with Obama's, apparently you couldn't take pictures, couldn't text, couldn't do much of anything. He
1: had a limited uh, access to news as well. It It was, yeah, that phone is pretty much encrypted right down. And what's funny is that Trump, I was reading about this earlier, is that he'll answer his phone no matter what. If it's, a call's blocked, he'll still pick it up. So people, as long as you have his number, you could still get a hold of Trump. <laughs> but not anymore because, and I was telling you during the break, the Australian Prime Minister, when he won the election, um, the Australian Prime Minister wanted to congratulate him but didn't have his cell phone number. So they got her cell phone number from Greg Norman, the golfer, the, the golfer, the Australian golfer, who's like, "Oh, I have his number here," and, and that's how <laughs> that's how these two head of states are are, not anymore. are chatting. Well, not anymore. Now you have to go through the switchboard at the White House.
0: Uh, some other interesting stuff. I talked with Jill Bennett this morning a little bit uh, about it. Uh, uh, Facebook. There's a lot of uh, friends and family that uh, are. Potentially snooping your Facebook account. Yeah, up they, to twenty five percent of people have said that uh, their Facebook account has been
1: snooped by someone they know and love. Yeah, and it, you know, there is a couple of ways it could happen. Maybe you could have your laptop open, or your smartphone or tablet just kind of available. Yeah. Do you remember when first Facebook first came out? People would go and put some status update that was like ridiculous on your account. My and, kids did that to me all the yeah, time. And yeah, and it was like laughing. I don't think you can really do that anymore because it's that's, harder. It, well, not only that, it's it's. It's kind of an invasion of privacy when you think about it. It's like reading somebody's diary. Um, People are doing it because of curiosity, but it has ruined relationships, and that's what this uh, latest study had shown.
0: Uh, Studies done, uh, I think, uh, in part by some folks out at uh, UBC. They did uh, a survey just asking people uh, down in the U.S. uh, if uh, their account had been uh, snooped uh, or spied on. Uh, Some interesting uh, things... I read about how much people wanted to do this like one guy actually got his sleeping partner's finger to unlock wow their phone yeah can you imagine that's taking it to a whole different <laughs> level yeah uh but a lot of times it's uh from curiosity right up to jealousy
1: yeah and the thing is what's that old saying curiosity killed the cat because yeah. if you are starting to do that like you're kind of opening up a big can of worms. And, you know, for anyone out there, just try to restrain yourself from trying to look in someone's Facebook profile. Nothing good can happen from this. So um, it's an interesting study, but it just shows what we have to protect our, our our devices to make sure that that type of intrusion doesn't happen or cover your fingers when you go to sleep <laughs> at night.
0: <laughs> Wear gloves to bed. Yeah,
1: exactly. Now we're going to be wearing gloves to bed because... Uh, that's the one way into our our d- digital devices.
0: More TV networks uh, are following Netflix to binge watching. Uh, that whole model—that was the story in the Globe and Mail. Uh, Netflix has uh, obviously been very popular, one of the most popular digital broadcasting services in the world now. I think they just recently added uh, over seven million new subscribers worldwide. I mean, that's just phenomenal. And uh, their success uh, in, in one part is due to uh, them producing great content, things like House of Cards, Orange is the New Black, and releasing the season all at the same time. So you can basically waste your weekend away just watching that entire show. And, and, and
1: like, most people do. Yes. House of Cards, yep. when, it, when it came out, it's so funny because like House of Cards comes out, pretty much everyone binges it. You have to wait a year. So you almost have to watch it again to be yes. like, what happened? Because you, you consume that content so much in a short period of time. Netflix had a new series called The OA. Yes. If you haven't seen it, I recommend it. Yeah, you told me to, yeah. to watch that one.
0: It's it's a weird show, but it's a, it's it's super cool. Yeah, it came out, and I watched the first episode, got hooked, bam. There goes your weekend. The, the weekend gone. Yeah. Completely gone. Did I go outside? No. Did well, I cook? dinner for my kids no <laughs>
1: yeah he just sat there starving yeah dehydrated watching. well there was a
0: lot of frozen pizzas <laughs> but uh, some of the other broadcasters are kind of following that model now uh, NBC did it with their uh, series Aquarius uh, which uh, starred Dave Duchovny they uh, premiered the first episode on broadcast TV and then released the entire batch online uh, Disney's trying it now with uh, some kid shows it's interesting. I, I don't know how successful they'll be unless they have a subscription model. That's how Netflix makes their money. Yes. Everyone pays 10 bucks a month. NBC makes all their money on commercials yeah. pretty well. Yeah. So, you know, sure, you can dump all your shows up online, but if you're putting commercials in them or that's the way you're making money, you're not going to make money because people will... Skip
1: the commercials. But the reason they're doing this is because people almost expect to be able to just keep watching shows. So the consumer behavior is kind of already there with that expectation. So now they're trying to align that at the same time. The only question is like, what's going to happen to that locker room uh, or that water cooler talk that you would get uh, at the office, like after a Game of Thrones episode where everyone gets to talk about it and then you wait for the next episode to come the following week? Those those days might be gone. It's a brave new world, Andy. Yeah. You just got to tweet like at that moment and then... Tweet wat- at that moment. <laughs> and then just keep watching. Yes.
0: We still got lots more to talk about on today's program. We're going to find out uh, about the race to self-driving cars, Silicon Valley versus Detroit. And what happened with BlackBerry? What's happening with their BlackBerry 10 operating system? Is it still going or is
1: it dead and gone? Contest, uh, Andy? We got a fabulous contest. This one is probably the best one we've had all year, or even maybe last year as well. We're giving away the HP Pavilion X360 Convertible Laptop. This is a laptop that can just bend all sorts of uh, shapes, allowing you to consume content however you want it. It's from our friends over at Intel Canada, courtesy of them. you got to go to our website to check it out. If you're in the market for a new laptop, this is the one you want to check out. Just go to our website, getconnectedmedia.com.
0: When we come back from the break, Self-driving cars. Stay tuned. You're back with Get Connected, Mike Agarbo here with Andy Barrar broadcasting across Canada. You can check out our show online as well at uh, getconnectedmedia.com. We've got our podcasts uh, and links uh, to it on a weekly basis. Self-driving cars, they're here. They're growing. But where is the future? On the line uh, right now, we've uh, got Doug Newcomb. He's president of the C3 Group and a columnist over at PC Mag. Thanks for joining us today.
2: Thanks for having me, Andy.
0: So this is uh, interesting stuff to me. I, I love the whole uh, autonomous uh, vehicle category. We're starting to see uh, innovations uh, and these things on the road. Uh, Tesla's got uh, their self-driving autonomous mode. Uh, and a number of other uh, car manufacturers are really trying to get in the race. But a lot of the innovation happens in Silicon Valley. Are they working together, or is it kind of a race between uh, Silicon Valley and Detroit?
2: I would say it's a little bit of both, Andy. Um, it's, it's, you know, you have, uh, I think, a lot of the innovation still comes out of Detroit or Stuttgart or, or Japan, uh, but, you know, there's this focus on Silicon Valley. Um, and, and, you know, here's the thing. A lot of the automakers and their suppliers now have labs in Silicon Valley. So there's this kind of competition or, or cooperation, I've heard people call it. Um, but there's also, you know, sort of a race, you know. But I think what the people in Silicon Valley, the Googles, the Teslas, and others are starting to underst- understand is that, you know, it's a lot harder to build a car than I think they originally thought.
0: And we know that a, a lot of these tech companies are involved. Tesla, obviously, is kind of more on the California side. Uh, Google has uh, been one of the pioneers of this. We've seen the Google self-driving car out for a number of years. Rumors that even Apple is involved in in some way.
2: Right, 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 exactly. So, you know, the way I look at it, it's like, you know, this, you're seeing this collision, <laughs> for lack of a better term, between the automakers, probably better to find a better term, and technology. And, you know, the Apples and Googles and, and even the Ubers of the world, you know, are uh, really good at this. It's just that week. Amazon uh, uh, released a, uh, got a patent around self, a self-driving car network. So you're starting to see this, this, you know, kind of uh, uh, between technology and uh, automotive. Um, but, you know, it, it's kind of, it's kind of like, it's going to take, put it this way, what I'm seeing. It is this really this new era that we're seeing, whether it's self driving cars, um uh, vehicle to vehicle communication, all these things we're seeing now, it's gonna take a lot of cooperation among a lot of different players, you know, the automakers, the tech companies, you know, policy is a big part of this. You know, the government has to uh put in the right infrastructure, the right regulation. Uh so so it's really a critical time right now and, and it's it's still fluid. I, I kind of I kinda compare it to the internet twenty years ago where we really don't know what's going to happen. And that's kind of the exciting part. Um, and it probably will be, end up being something we really haven't thought of before. But it's a very interesting time. But the focus a lot now has shifted to Silicon Valley.
1: Doug, do you think that Detroit is trying to play catch up to Silicon Valley right now? Or did they have like ideas of a self-driving car at the same time that Silicon Valley was kind of like you know, experimenting with it?
2: Yeah, you know why? It's funny because, you know, Google first announced, I think it was the end of 2010 that they had put all these miles on self-driving cars, and almost reflexively, a lot of automakers said, hey, we've been working on self-driving cars for years, which was true, but I think it's Google really, really that kind of, like, gave them a bit of a shove, in a sense, to say, hey, you know, like, we better get on this, and, and I, I credit Google for that, for being able to do that, but you know what? I still think... Detroit does not get the credit it deserves or the auto industry. Again, it's a very complex um, business, you know, to, to build a car. I mean, you're, you're talking about a much different um, uh, business model than building a phone, let's say, you know, what Apple does. I mean, you, you, you know, it's just super complex. So I feel like Detroit doesn't get the, the, and the auto industry as a whole, doesn't get the credit it deserves as far as being a real technology powerhouse. I mean, you know, the focus a lot of times is on Silicon Valley and the shiny and new. I mean, that's why Tesla, I mean, get, don't get me wrong, Tesla's doing amazing stuff. But, you know, I, they're, they're not doing anything that different in some ways, you know, than some of the automakers, especially kind of with their autopilot. Yeah, but, you know, they are, i got to give them credit. They, they're shaping things up. They're, but, you know, they're small and new. Put it, put, it, small and put it in perspective for me. I think Tesla sold like 75,000 cars last year, I think it was. I mean that that's that's I forget how many f one fifties Ford sells like in a month, you know probably five times that, so you' gotta kind of keep that in perspective too.
1: One thing that we really wanted to see, Doug was uh some kind of competition for Tesla out there. there was a like, a company I think it's called faraday have you Have you heard about yep. this company? uh tell us a little bit about that company and where it came from because it really just came out of nowhere and I think yeah, they're going
0: faraday, back to nowhere soon called? what's yeah, that yeah. Yep.
2: future it's faraday future it's right yeah they um, they introduced a car last year at ces uh, kind of a tesla fighter um but we haven't really seen anything from them you know since then this year they actually introduced another vehicle uh, kind of an suv looking vehicle but they actually it had trouble even driving on stage at ces I, i'm kind of doubtful again you know it takes a lot I and mean, we've seen a lot of Companies like Fisker and others kind of, uh, you know, try to try to make a go of it. You know, it's a really cool concept, but I just I just don't see. I haven't seen them getting the traction. Um, but you know, it, it, it is an interesting time right now for incumbents like that to come in uh, to the auto industry.
0: But you know, you've brought up some good points. Tesla, you know, selling roughly seventy five thousand cars last year it is hard to make cars and to scale that up. Uh, the other guys, they make millions of cars. There's like thousands of different supplies and parts that have to put this together. Uh, Tesla, their big test now is with the Model 3 car coming out supposedly this year and next. Uh, you know, they've got orders for hundreds of thousands of them. Will they even be able to make them?
2: Yeah, you know, what I'm hearing from people, it's interesting because, you know, I've spent a lot of time in Detroit. I've spent a lot of time in Silicon Valley, and and, and there's definitely this Uh, you know, competition. I think it's friendly, uh, uh, you know, uh, maybe sometimes not so friendly competition, but what I've been hearing from people in Detroit, and I've heard this more than once, and we're seeing, I just wrote a story about how Tesla now, I'm sorry, Google now is kind of pivoting to supplying um, technology for self-driving cars as opposed to building self-driving cars. But I've talked to a couple of people in the auto industry that have been to a Tesla factory, and they say, you know, this is not how we build cars. They were kind of Surprised that that what they saw. I haven't been to the Tesla factory, but you know, hey, automakers have been doing this for hundred, you know, one hundred years or more. So you know, so, so they know what they're doing. But you're right; it's a very complex uh, business. That, that's why people keep saying Apple is going going to get into the business, and make cars. I don't see that. Why would they? You know, get into a business that's so complex, profit margins are so small, heavily regulated. Uh, again, it's it, 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 interesting time, and Apple has had some. Uh, setbacks they've uh, had you know if you follow what they're doing as far as some of their personnel and things like that again it's a very complex business you know and it's it's not as easy as I think some people
1: think. Doug we got about a minute left what car manufacturer out of Detroit do you think is really going to spearhead the self-driving car?
2: Well I think it's not so much out of Detroit but I think all the automakers I mean um, you know Ford's doing some cool stuff they just, just triple their fleet of self-driving cars, Chevy is starting to, uh, or GM starting to test cars on roads in Detroit, you know, uh, BMW, Audi, Mercedes, you know, all of them really are doing some really cool stuff. I think what's interesting, too, is is kind of how the self-driving cars fit into a larger context, I mean, Ford, you know, if you ask me one company, I think that's really got a cool vision or, or, or unique or a bold vision for the future, it's Ford. You know, they announced uh, last year they're going to develop uh, self-driving cars, mass-produced self-driving cars by 2021 that don't have a steering wheel or brakes uh, or pedals, and it's going to be for ride-sharing services. So, you know, put it in perspective, that that's only, what, four years away? So, you know, this is going to happen really quickly. I, I, w- I would pick Ford as one of the companies doing some very cool stuff right now.
0: Exciting times ahead. Uh, Doug, uh, where can people find out more information about you?
2: Uh, then go to my website, c3group.com. Um, and we also do the C3 Report, c3report.com. We do a three time uh, weekly uh, newsletter that talks about all the stuff, keeps you posted on it. So, uh, Andy, really great talking to you.
0: Want to thank uh, Doug Newcomb. Uh, when we come back, is BlackBerry 10 operating system dead or alive? Stay tuned. You're back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with Andy Brar. Still lots of tech talk today. We'll be going open line in a little bit, taking your tech calls and questions. And, of course, we've got Christina Stoyanova at the end with our app of the week. On the line right now, we've uh, got Ted. Ted, how you doing? Good. How are you guys doing? Good. We're talking BlackBerry. I didn't think we'd be talking BlackBerry, <laughs> but apparently Andy says we should. Uh, BlackBerry 10 operating system. Is this thing still alive?
3: It is still alive, yes. Uh, it is still alive. Uh, so I wrote articles article about, uh, about this uh I had spoken to a a BlackBerry executive about it, and uh, so they still, yeah, it's still alive. they're still um, supporting it, and uh, they plan to keep supporting it, uh, but there are definitely some questions over how they would do that, especially since they no longer actually make any phones, right? Like, they they have licensing agreements where phones are made for them, uh, as they do with Alcatel, for example, but those are uh, Android-based phones, so... So there's still some uh, question marks about uh, how they would go about doing that. Does that make
0: business sense? I, I know that they still are uh, getting, you know, a chunk of their money from the business and the enterprise uh, side of uh, of business. Uh, why keep flogging what essentially, you know, many would say is a dead horse?
3: Well, so... You see, this, it's hard to say exactly, like to to to, to qualify it or quantify it because I don't. We don't know the exact numbers. We know what the market share for BlackBerry is, which is zero point one percent, by the way, globally, very very low. So, but that doesn't include the Android devices because Android is lumped into all together. So, to anything and that's Android based, then that's eighty seven point five percent, last I saw. So, what? So basically, what what I'm getting at is that if Businesses and governments are still using BlackBerry 10, and they're going to hang on to it, right, because they still have a customer base that still wants to use it. Uh, As far as consumers go in North America, I don't think that there's too many that are still using it here, but there still are some, and they want to support every single person, I guess, that is still using it.
0: It's an interesting time for them. Uh, They really have, I guess, in in many cases, kind of... um, I don't know if I'm using the right word. Kind of given up on the handset market. They're, they're more into the business side with uh, uh, server software and what have you, aren't they?
3: They're still, yeah. So, so they are a software and services company. Qnex, Qnex, which is a subsidiary, which is very big in the automotive space. Uh, they're doing some stuff now with self-driving cars. So they've got their hands in a few different things, but uh, they're out of the hardware business as far as making phones. So as I mentioned, they have lic- They make licensing agreements. With, with vendors in other places. So Alcatel is one example, but like I said, that's only for Android phones. What they might do, or I mean, it's, it's possible, I guess, is that they can make a licensing agreement with a vendor, let's say in Indonesia or India or another country, where perhaps BB10 phones could be made there. But I don't know. I mean, you'd have to have a manufacturer that's willing to take that chance. Uh, and do that. And, um, you know, it's, it's it's very, very hard to say whether anybody would. The market would have to be very substantial um, and there have to be a profit. Uh, that would be enough profit, I guess, for them to be uh, to get into that.
1: Ted, do you think that they might consider selling the operating system? Because this kind of reminds me of what happened with HP and their touchpad when they tried to get a tablet business way back in the like OS the WebOS, yeah. and they sold that to LG, which now uses that operating system on their TVs, and it actually is quite nice. Do you think BlackBerry might want to sell their uh, operating system to maybe governments or or other types of tech companies interested in having an operating system?
3: They could try and sell it. I don't know what they would get for it. I mean, WebOS was basically given away uh, by HP to LG. That, that was not a substantial, uh, as far as I remember, that was not a substantial business deal. Um, you know, monetarily speaking anyway. So, uh, yeah, no, I don't think so. I think BB10 is going to go anywhere that's going to die its own death. I don't think it's going to end up in the hands of any other entity. Um, I think just the security element involved in this and some of the patents involved, I I don't believe that uh, they're just going to sell it off uh, like that. And I don't know. I don't think anybody would buy it. I mean, to be very frank with you guys, uh, nobody would buy it. Um, It's just, you know if it ends up being an operating system that like governments use specifically fine um and that's that's what it'll be but it it will never again be any anything significant as far as consumer uh penetration goes That those days are over,
0: but I guess in the short term if you've got a blackberry phone, you're still in business
3: yeah for now, yeah I mean whatsapp extended their support until the summer um you know, but there's been a, a number of other vendors have not uh, facebook uh even. <laughs> Uh, you know, drop their support uh, too. So, I suspect that more of that is going to happen. And as app support dies, then the consumers eventually have looked look elsewhere. So, I think it's it's just um, it's just only a matter of time before this becomes purely an enterprise and government uh, OS uh, rather than a consumer thing. And it might be in other countries, but I, I just I, I don't I don't think so.
0: Ted, thanks for your insight.
3: Was a pleasure, guys. Thank you so much.
0: That was Ted Kretzonos our favorite tech journalist. You can read more about uh, BlackBerry in his article uh, up on com. When we come back from the break, we're going to take your tech calls and questions. So right now, we are opening up the phone lines. 604-280-9898. And if you're phoning anywhere else in North America, we can take your call as well, toll free, at 1-877-399-9898. When we come back, your calls. We are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with Andy Barrar. Still lots of tech talk happening. We've uh, got Christina Stoyanova coming up uh, shortly to talk about her app of the week. But right now, we are open line, taking your tech calls and questions. 604-280-9898. And toll-free anywhere in North America, 1-877-399-9898. We're going to jump to Tim, who's on the line. Hey, Tim.
4: Hi. 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 I have a question about deleting apps from a phone. Yes. It it used to be that when you bought something either in a store or a trade show or whatever, everyone wanted your phone number or your address. They could send you marketing information. And now everybody has an app. Everybody wants you to have their app. The problem is a lot of the times, you know, they're poorly written. They don't run well or they want to constantly run in the background, whether you're using them or not. How can I be sure if I delete an app, that it's actually all out of my phone because obviously I can't defrag my iPhone. How do I know that it's not slowing down my phone or affecting it after it's gone?
0: Yeah, that's a great question, Tim, because uh, you know, unlike a computer, um, yeah, you can't defrag or uh, I guess you can wipe your phone. That's probably the best oh, way yeah. to do it. There is a way. Uh, but uh, I don't know where they go after that. You know, When you do delete uh, it from like your iPhone or Android, it just dis- disappears from the uh, uh, the home screen uh, essentially, and ideally, all that stuff is supposed to be gone.
1: Yeah, but it's just the way that the memory works. You know, we got to remember this is all digital zeros yes. and ones. So when you like delete something, there is a trace of it still there. From, yes, like, and if you did a forensic analysis, you should be able to find stuff because it's just a bunch of zeros and ones that have been broken up. But that said, it shouldn't affect your phone's performance anymore. And the thing about iPhones and Android phones is a lot of these apps run in the background. If you open up an app and then you open up another app, it's still there running in the background. And ones like Facebook, um, Snapchat, these ones can hog your data. You would, like, like if you're going over your limit, you got to go... Face, and, Facebook, fe- the worst. It is the, the worst. worst one, yes. Yeah. Especially with Facebook adopting video now and the autoplay feature Oh, features. it's killing me. It's it, killing me. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, to your point, uh, Tim, um, they're supposed to be gone, um, you know, from my understanding. I'm going to look into that a little further. If you were, like, super, super concerned about it, uh, you could always do a complete wipe yeah. of, of your phone, like a reset, and that will basically wipe everything off. But then you got to reload everything. Uh, yeah, and then again. you do a
1: fresh start from yeah. there. Yeah, that's the only tried and tested and true way of knowing that that app is completely uh, eliminated from your phone
0: going to jump here to uh, Ed on the line. Hey, Ed.
4: Hi, guys. I, I'm a late adapter to the uh, iPhone. A buddy of mine gave me an iPhone 5 a couple of years ago. Nice. And that was the first time I ever have used an iPhone. And I, I realize now that the product is good, but what's even better is the fact that i uh, You know, and when you're a neophyte with something, you want answers. Well, to be able to walk into the Apple store... And get them to answer questions and suggest I sign up for this free course. And I'm thinking, wow, this is why they're so popular.
0: <laughs> yeah. Be- yeah.
4: Because, and it sounds kind of bizarre to say that and how you could not know that. I knew it, but I didn't personally experience it. And then I, now I'm I'm telling everybody, why are you using that? You should get an iPhone. And uh, I don't know. I, you know, I I haven't moved to an iPhone 6 yet, but. I just think that they make it so easy for a neophyte like me to walk in the door and say, hey, I got a problem. Can you help me here? And that doesn't happen all the time. They don't take care of you immediately 100% of the time, but majority of the time they do, or worst case scenario, make an appointment and come back. So that's just a bit of a shout out for iPhone. And uh, the other guys, I don't know if they could do it, the same idea, because it's pretty uh, labor-intensive, and you have to set up these locations, but it does make a huge difference, and I don't think I'll ever go back to uh, a competitor's phone.
0: You're, you're an Apple guy till the end now. Absolutely, only because
4: I think they realize that people need some help. They don't want to, you know, dial this number, press 5 to speak to somebody about this, it makes a huge difference to me to go in person and actually have someone show me how to do it and then make sure that I can do it properly while I'm there in front of them it just it it it's i don't know is that when Apple came in on the market, was that something unique and still unique just to Apple?
0: well, it's interesting uh you know they've obviously been in the technology business for years and uh back. I forget exactly when, 10, uh, 15 years ago, they decided to get into the retail space as well. And I remember at the time, the critics were saying, oh, yeah, they're stupid. They're yeah. going to get killed. Yeah. They don't know what they're doing. Uh, but it was probably one of the best things they did because they set up all these retail locations uh, around uh, North America and now the world, for that matter, that just specialize specifically in the uh, the Apple products Uh, but you know to that end uh, you know with their other retail partners outside of that as well like the London drugs and and that of of the world uh, you know they train those guys up properly and set them up as proper service centers uh, as well so I think Apple's done well because uh, a they make great products there's no question and number two they really get uh, the aspect of making it simple for their customers and servicing them as well looking after them Mm -hmm. Uh, I know when I have an issue with one of my Apple products I can get it serviced really easily If I look at any of my other tech products, if something goes wrong, I'm like, oh my God, like
1: what do I have to do now? Like there's a whole rigmarole that I have to go through to to get them fixed. One company that is uh, doing more on the customer service front is Google. I'm using the Google Pixel phone right now and in there is a feature for support and you can chat right from your phone. You can press a button and start chatting with someone from Google or you can say, call me back. And you press that, call me back. Then you close it. All of a sudden, someone calls you within like 10 seconds. Really, you can have a person. That's pretty awesome. It is really cool. I actually tried it the other day, and I was like, "Wow, this is some great customer service." So, um, you know, people have learned from Apple that you do need to have that customer service. We always recommend people if they're having the first phone to get an Apple iPhone, just because it is kind of easier. But uh, the other competitors are taking notice, and there is a customer Um, service. They have to. I
0: mean, it's all about customer service. If you give good customer service to a, a good product, you will win hands down. We've got lots more tech talk. Stay tuned. App of the week coming up with Christina. You are back with Get Connected. Mike and Andy here in studio today. It's that time of the week. We've got Christina here with App of the Week. What's going on?
5: Not too much. What's going on with you? Doing a
0: radio show, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <tap>. <laughs>
5: geeking out, geeking out. Regular Saturday morning.
0: Exactly. You got a good app for us
5: this week? Um, we're doing something a little different today. Okay. I'm going to talk about an app, but in in a different context. So there's this app that has sort of taken off in North America recently. Um, it's called Meitu. It turns yes, Meitu. Yes, M E I T U. Okay. Um,
0: oh, okay. Yes.
5: It turns you into an anime character through your photos. Thank God. So it slim's down your face. It smooths out your skin. It puts like a layer of blush on you, things like that, because you need that.
0: (laughs) I could use that, to be honest. Right? I'm I'm pretty rough looking. (laughs) But I've heard some negative things about this.
5: Exactly. So that's what I wanted to talk about today. Um, Because what's happened with this app is that they've started analyzing this code. And as it turns out, it collects so much information that it does not actually need to function. It is collecting all of your information from your phone.
0: This must be an Android app.
5: It's both. um, And the iOS version is definitely much better because Apple keeps an eye on that for us. But the Android version is just, it's collecting everything right down to your...
0: Dirty Android.
5: IMEI, which is... Oh, whoa. Yeah. That's the number
1: of your... Specific number of your—that's like the fingerprint of your phone. Yeah, yeah. Why would it need that?
5: It doesn't need it, but it opens you up, right? Because your phone can be spoofed or hijacked or whatever. Um, once they've collected that information, and I'm not saying that they're unscrupulous and they're doing that—they're collecting this for ads, for ad purposes, so that um, you can be served ads in a more targeted way. But my point was. When you're downloading a new app, pay attention to what it's asking you, what it's prompting you. Like I often will download a new app and it will ask me, can this app have access to your location? Yes. And unless you see a world in which you're using that specific specific function is necessary for the way you're using the app, don't say yes.
0: So pay attention and don't say yes to everything. Yeah. Like I do sometimes. I do. Yeah.
5: Do you guys say yes to everything?
0: Well, it's it's better for me on the iPhone because I know Apple is a little more stringent security-wise with a lot of that stuff. So the most that typically ask me is... Uh, if, for these types of apps is, can, can it send me notifications? Can it use my location? And I don't typically give my location unless it's like a GPS app, like, you know, for directions or something something like that. And, you know, a lot of times they'll ask if it can have access to my microphone or my my camera. Or my contacts. Or my contacts. Uh, so, uh, you know, I'm wary on that. There's no question. But I know on Android it's a little looser.
5: You do you I think you do have the options to restrict that on well, Android though right Oh, well, yeah you yeah. just have to
1: pay attention you know what it, what it, I can explain this really easily is people download so many apps it's just getting in the habit of just going yeah 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 and then next thing you know you're vulnerable remember the flashlight app yeah same thing it, it, it took so much information from you and you know there's a lot of apps like that so you got to be very weary and look at the reviews as well on the on the store the name of this app again Christina
5: it's May 2 but don't download it. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: Unless you want to give out all your personal information. Looks like uh, we're out of time again for this week of uh, Get Connected. As always, you can visit our website, www.getconnectedmedia.com to find out more about our show and our TV program that airs on BNN, the Business News Network, Check TV, and our global TV appearances. I want to thank Chris on the controls, Andy and Christina in studio today. Back again next week.